Hey, thanks for checking out the Axiom Podcast. It's a podcast feed by Axiom Church in Arizona. We really just want to host some conversations about what we think God is up to in our community and in our world. And we also want to post our sermons from our Sunday gatherings. You can get all that here and more. Um, so definitely interact with us on our social medias. It's all under um, Axiom Church AZ, and our website's axiomchurchaz.com. Thanks for checking us out. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> um, I, uh, I was going to try to figure out a joke I could make about some team being transfigured, but I felt like that would be sacrilegious. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, I wouldn't want to de- derail the whole morning, you know. Um, uh, I hope that for whatever team is playing today, because I actually didn't even know until this morning that it was the Super Bowl, I actually had to look it up. I had to go, Oh, wait a minute, I think it might be Super Bowl. Is today the Super Bowl? I asked Google, and Google said, yes, actually, today is the Super Bowl. So whatever team is your team, I hope that your team is in the Super Bowl. I know Nesto's team is in the Super Bowl, for instance. Uh, <laughs> got, got a few folks in here anyway. Um, yes, Sean, oh no. It's Nesto and then Sean are right there. I hope you guys don't fight afterwards, although that could be entertaining. Uh, <laughs> so, confusingly, so there's many things that you're going to have to keep in mind and juggle as we move through the morning. Uh, one, on the one hand, uh, we have Super Bowl happening. On the other hand, we have Transfiguration Sunday happening. And on the other hand, yet another hand, we are finishing up chapter 9 of Acts today, which has nothing to do with either of those two things. So, <laughs> I hope that you're able to balance that all uh, uh, in your hands or in your minds, however you want to do it. Um, we are finishing up uh, this section of our Acts series here at Axiom. We have been slowly, gradually working our way through the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, and this is, uh, this is it for this session. It's not it for the book of Acts, but it is it for the part that we're going to be covering during this season. Um, so if you are here this morning and, uh, and you haven't been here for the rest of Acts, uh, that's okay. Uh, because we're going to be stopping after today so you didn't miss too much. (laughs) That's not true. Um, Something about the Acts, uh, I know for myself, I really cared about emphasizing, and I know here at Axiom we really care a lot about the importance of why we go through the Acts of the Apostles is first and foremost, these are the first followers of Jesus who are responding to the work of Christ in their lives, not just his physical fact, but then the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is sent forth in into the church that doesn't just make people sit around and think about how holy and sacred they are, but rather makes them go forward out to the world to proclaim the good news of the salvation that Jesus brings. It is a physical fact, and we experience the Holy Spirit in Acts as a physical reality. The intimacy and physicality of what the Spirit is for the community of the church is so evident and it calls people not just to sit around on their, uh, on their butts, but to do things, to act as it were. I don't know about you, but I, I, I grew up in the church, and I, I had this dis- distinct impression. I don't know that anybody ever told me this necessarily, but as a kid growing up in the church, I had this idea that once you said that Jesus was awesome, then it was like, kind of you're in cruise control then. You've arrived. That's the peak. You're coasting to heaven, where heaven, if you don't know, it's going to be this 
wondrous country club up in the sky with nice golden roads everywhere, and you're going to be a ghost up there haunting heaven, as it were, but it'll be a good haunting because you'll be hanging out with this guy called God, and God is incredible and awesome and also Jesus, but Jesus is God. And so there was all this kind of like, blah, kind of connected to it, but it was definitely something that was going to be happening over there. Someday we were going to get to do this thing with God. But what we see in Acts is that for the disciples, it wasn't a someday. Yes, there was this idea of the fullness of the kingdom of heaven being realized, but they were very much living in the now reality of the work of God. They were responding to the work of God now, in this moment. And part of the invitation that we see, that we receive from Acts, that's kind of exciting, is is a kind of a, a handbook, as it were, for what it's like to be a disciple in the world, what it is to live in the resurrected reality of Jesus Christ, to live with the presence of the Spirit, to be responding. Many, many months ago, we saw the moment that the Spirit entered in to the community, that with these wondrous display of flames of fire and all this kind of thing, tongues of fire, excuse me, and, and people are able to understand languages, the Spirit breaks down the boundaries that separate the disciples, and now they can be understood and they go forward. In this last section of Acts, we've seen the miraculous work that the Spirit has called figures like Philip and Paul to engage in. We see that the Spirit of God is working amidst and through specifically human bodies. That the Spirit in Acts, He's moving through and inviting to act and allow those to be led and called, those who will receive that invitation. Philip is led by the Spirit to engage figures like Simon the magician to do miraculous things in the life of Simon and his community. Philip is also led by the Spirit to meet the eunuch, as Eric Shank spoke about a few weeks back, where we see this new, this new figure, a new representative of the broader world being called by Jesus. We see Saul, a man named Saul, who was actively persecuting the followers of Jesus, being confronted by the Spirit of Christ on the road to Damascus and having his life completely changed to where he becomes an agent of the church, that he becomes a representative, the most powerful witness and representative of the work of Jesus that we've ever seen. So much, so many incredible things have been happening in chapters 8 and 9 with folks who we really didn't meet uh, in the Gospels that we might forget some of those figures who Jesus actually physically knew. And so today we're going to be turning to, again to one of those individuals, a man named Peter, the friend of Jesus who Jesus said that he was going to build his church upon. And we're going to see two instances of the Spirit working through Peter, inviting him to heal 
and through that healing to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And in this work that we see with Peter, we see, again, reiterated, the physicality, the intimacy of what the Spirit is up to. That it's not some abstracted haunting that's happening, but there is the laying on of hands. There is prayer. There is being with. And there is a powerful sense that we receive that God cares about the world, about people, about what is happening. God is not some spirit in the sky waiting for the clock to wind down to zero. God is an active presence in the world who actively loves, heals, and transforms the lives of people. So I'm going to go and read straight through this section, and then we're going to talk about it. Um, there are, uh, there's a name in here that I am very tempted to say is Ananias, because we just had a character named Ananias, but it is not Ananias. So if I say Ananias, well, you know what happened, my mind. Those Bible names are so similar sometimes. We're going to find ourselves in Acts 9, verses 32 through 42. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda, Lida. There he found a man named, uh, this is the one, uh, Aeneas, not Aeneas, Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so, when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken, to, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the, windows stood, all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Two miraculous healings, we could say. In these instances, where Peter raises a paralyzed man so he can walk and raises a dead woman from the dead so she too 
can stand up and walk and move and be. In the simplest terms, we see these passages showcasing a kind of divine authority, right? The power of God to do miraculous things. To work through particular people so that they may heal particular people. These miraculous events underscore the ways in which the early church relied on divine presence, on divine power, on the work of Jesus' transformative spirit. And it becomes a testimony to the community around them of the power of their God. If it stopped right there, if we were just going to say, wow, it's about awesome, cool powers. See ya. That'd be cool, I guess, but I feel like it would be missing something about what we really receive in the book of Acts. It's not something that happened back then alone. It is a call to a wider reality of what is happening now amongst us. Because Jesus' spirit is with us even now. So let's try walking through this passage, talking through it. Because I believe that beyond just miraculous things happening, we again are receiving testimony to the presence, the physical presence of God and the particular care that God gives to people, not in an abstracted way, but to particular people, to people like Ananias and Dorcas, people like you and me. That if we hear the call, if we receive and allow ourselves to be led, the Spirit can do powerful things. So first we see that Peter, he goes to what is described as the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. The Lord's people, people who are already disciples of Jesus, who already, they already believed he was going to be with them. And there's this paralyzed man, a man who couldn't move under his own volition. His body had become useless for him to some extent. It wasn't moving him and allowing him to do the things that a person would normally be able to do. But now in this story of Ananias, we see the power of Christ moving into his body so that his body can move. And Peter says, invites him up to roll up his mat and to walk around again. He says, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. And immediately he got up. It might sound obvious, but his body, it gets up. 
physically, he moves and he rolls up his mat, the thing that he had been laying on, bound to for all this time. He rolls it up, he packs it away. He may never need to use it again. He may, as we see here, never be powerless again the way that he has been. And others see and they react and respond. Then in Joppa, we see an emphasis on this community response to grief. Tabitha, I kind of prefer the name Dorcas, to be honest. (laughs) I like saying it a little bit more. We see in Tabitha, first, a person who is doing good, who is helping, specifically seems to be helping widows, those who have experienced great loss already. We see the fact that people in the community of Christ do, in fact, die. These widows have lost their husbands. They need help. And Tabitha was one of those folks who was doing good and helping. But as we well know, a life of good works doesn't mean that you won't get sick. And it certainly doesn't mean that you won't die. Life passes. And for Dorcas, we see the fact that she she does die. She passes away, the text says. And yet in her death, she becomes a focal point, an opportunity, or she, see, she becomes an opportunity herself for others to now care and serve. We hear that her body is washed, that the community of widows gathers around her. And even as Even as Peter comes, Peter, one of the great disciples, the first disciples of Jesus, even as he comes, the widows, they aren't fawning over Peter saying, wow, Peter, this is so impressive that you're here. What they do is they go around showing Peter the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. The way that Dorcas, as a disciple of Jesus, responded to the work of the Spirit was through tangible needs, through tangibly caring for widows of the community, those who had lost, by making clothes for people, things to cover bodies, to keep bodies warm, protected. And as she worked to care for those in her community, in her death, those of her community, community worked to care for her. So as Peter comes at once and sees the great things that she's done in this community, he has something more that the Spirit has led him to offer this community in their time of need. He sends the widows out, and he gets down on his knees to pray. Has anybody ever gotten on their knees to pray? It's a much different experience than just standing and praying, isn't it? When you physically kneel before the reality of the one true God, your relationship 
to not just the divine, but to the world, it, you feel it in your body. What we see here and what we see demonstrated throughout these passages are disciples that understand that what God has done is not an abstract, it's not an abstraction. It is a physical world-changing reality that calls for response. And so what Peter does when he goes upstairs to this room is he gets on his knees and prays. Do we think that the Spirit of God couldn't have worked if Peter hadn't gone on his knees? Of course not. But the Spirit leads and prompts and invites a bodily response. So he kneels, he prays, and he turns toward the dead woman, and he says, Tabitha, get up. This is the second time that we've heard Peter say, get up. The first was to the paralyzed man, and now to the woman who is paralyzed by death. Get up. It seems that just opening her eyes should have been enough. Just breathing should have been enough to tell us that she was now alive. But he doesn't say, open your eyes. He says, get up. And then she opens her eyes. And seeing Peter being woken to the reality of her life, she sat up. And this is the line that I really, another line that I really love. In verse 41, he, that is Peter, took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. And we see demonstrated here. Again, it seems like maybe a simple thing. But we see manifest in this moment the intimacy and physical reality of the community of faith. He takes her by the hand and lifts this formerly dead woman to her feet. It represents this idea that really the community has been helping one another through this whole story. We hear Dorcas is a character who has been helping widows in her community, women who are familiar with, the law, with loss and with death. She has been helping. Peter is called to help by the community, called to come in and do something. And he does. He kneels, he prays, and then he helps her beyond just her life. He physically lifts her up into this new life that she's been given. And then he calls the people in to see, especially, it says, I want to underline that, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. And this became known all over, and many people believed in the Lord. Why is it especially the widows that he calls in? Be, perhaps because they cared for her particularly. Or perhaps 
It's because those who have already lost loved ones needed to see this powerful display more than anyone else, a reminder that God does indeed care and indeed is at work, at work in the lives of people as a physical fact. Even in their deaths, Jesus Christ, he still still reigns. The work of God is a reality and that that which will be transformed, healed, and restored, it won't be some theological concept or a metaphor or a metaphorical ideal of a person, but a physical form, a particular Dorcas, you, me. Sitting here today, we've all, to one degree or another, experienced real loss in our lives. Whether it be people that we've known, that we've cared for, whether it be in our own physicalness, our own bodies. We can feel things breaking down. What we see in this passage is not, if you're a really good Christian, then Peter will come along and heal people in your life. What we are seeing here is a taste of a reality that we will all experience. The transformative, restorative power of Jesus Christ. And that we may not be experiencing the fullness of that reality here today, and yet we see powerfully demonstrated throughout the book of Acts. We see signs of the promises that our King is at work. The Lord Jesus Christ is moving mightily in this world. And that the things of this world, they are not more permanent than Him. They are not more powerful than Him. That the things that people like Dorcas go through, because she did die, It was real, and she did die again. Based on what we know, what we see here and now in time, we experience that suffering in our bodies, and it is true. And what we see from Jesus Christ is that our God weeps and grieves with our loss. He can stand outside of his friend's tomb, Lazarus, who dies, and he can weep, and people will say, see how much Jesus loved him. And Jesus weeps with the knowledge, though, that he will raise Lazarus from the dead. Our God works in the world, and he works with you and with me. He works with people like Ananias and Dorcas. He heals, he transforms. And that work is ongoing. It's not something that is happening someday, somehow. But even now as we sit here and breathe, the work of the Holy Spirit of God is real. And we can trust in it. In the book of Acts, 
some ways more than, more than any book in the New Testament demonstrates how even in the physical absence of God, the Spirit of God is still at work in the lives of human beings, in the lives of you and of me. Let's pray.